0: Friends, let's stand together and pray our prayer for illumination this morning as we prepare to read the Holy Scriptures. Let's pray together. Shine upon us, God of glory, and by your Spirit reveal to us the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, your Word made flesh. Amen. Friends, our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We're going to read verses 5 through 15. Let's read it together. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Right now, we are still in the middle of a sermon series on resilience, and each week of the series, I've kind of been starting out by saying the same thing, kind of secretly hoping that it's going to get stuck in your head like it's been stuck in my head for the last three or four months, about how if we are honest with ourselves on a whole host of fronts, the last couple of years have not gone exactly according. To plan, whether it's in the life of our church or our society or our community or our world, odds are high that from your perspective you can see that it hasn't gone exactly the way that we maybe drew it up, which means I think it's safe for us to assume that next year probably isn't going to go exactly according to plan either which doesn't mean we shouldn't plan, it doesn't mean we shouldn't set New Year's resolutions, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have goals, it doesn't mean any of that. I think instead it just means we need to maintain this awareness that we are not completely in control, that in a lot of ways we are just along for the ride through this journey of life. And really the only thing that we do have control over is our ability to respond. When things don't go the way that we plan, or in other words, our level and our ability to be resilient. You already know this. I haven't been able to get that word out of my head this week, and I haven't been able to get this question out of my head for the last couple of months. And again, I hope that by the end of this series, you're going to be in the same boat as me. What if our church was known for being resilient? What if our church was known in our community for being those crazy people that no matter what happens around us, no matter what happens in the world, we are going to live out our mission, that we are going to love God and love neighbor no matter what hand we get dealt in 2024? Meaning, what if this was the year of resilience for our church? I did a bunch of reading on resilience and I found that, according to the research, resilient people and resilient organizations are compassionate, present, prayerful, and courageous. And if you've been around the last couple of weeks, you know that we talked about compassionate the first week. We talked about present last week. And this week, we're going to spend some time talking a little bit about prayer, specifically, I hope, listening and learning from what Jesus has to teach us about prayer. If I'm honest with you, I really went back and forth about which direction to go this week with this this message. At first, I thought I wanted to look at some instances where Jesus himself escapes from everyone to go off to some quiet place to pray. I mean, this is something that happens all the time during Jesus' journey in ministry as he makes his way to the cross. Jesus will spend a couple of days where it seems like he is nearly constantly healing and casting out demons and teaching and leading his disciples. And then suddenly he will try to go off somewhere to some, some deserted place to pray. And you know that sometimes he gets his peace and quiet, and sometimes the crowds follow him, and he ends up feeding 5,000 with a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish. And my point was going to be, if Jesus needs time to escape and pray, how much more do we need time to escape and pray? But instead of looking at one of those moments on Thursday of this week, I was drawn instead to what we just read together. And what we just read together is an excerpt out of the longest sermon of Jesus's that we have recorded. And it's a pretty famous sermon. I hope that you've heard of it before. I think that it is the best sermon that has ever been preached and the best sermon that ever will be preached. That's just my personal opinion, but I feel like that's a very suitable take for the sermon that we have from Jesus in Matthew and we call it the sermon on the mount. And to sum it up really briefly, it is an absolute masterclass from Jesus himself on how to live in the world. I mean, I think it is just a genius sermon that spans from Matthew 5 to Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus gives us over and over again detailed practical instruction for how to live a life of faith in this world. And one of the things that Jesus talks about in that sermon is prayer. This thing that is, I believe, one of the centerpieces of our relationship with God, which I've come to realize this week is such a gift. I mean, think about it. Jesus, the best prayer ever, I think, takes time to teach us, how we should pray. So this week, all we're going to do is look at that. We're going to look at what Jesus has to tell us about how we should be praying with the hopes that we will be a people, that we will be a church who are following his teaching to be a people of prayer, which I believe will make us much more resilient. And Jesus starts out with what not to do, doesn't he? He says, don't pray like the hypocrites do, which in the Greek that word means actor. Don't pray like you're just acting something out. Don't pray for the sake of getting accolades or attention from others. Instead, Jesus says, go to your room and shut the door and pray to your Father in secret. Now, I have wrestled with that section in particular because I've wondered, is Jesus saying that we should never pray in public? That we should only pray Pray in secret because Kay and Stanley and myself and a whole host of other people stand up every Sunday morning and do the complete opposite of that. And here's where I've landed. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying, but I do think Jesus is saying this, and it is extremely convicting for me, and I hope that it might be convicting for you as well. I think what Jesus is saying is that if you're most passionate, If your most fervent prayers are the ones that you pray in front of others, then that's probably not a very good sign for what your prayer life looks like. I mean, if your most fervent prayers are the ones that you pray before dinner or when you're putting your child to bed or when you have people over, if that is the only time that you pray or if that is your most passionate prayers, then I think Jesus is saying that you are in trouble. Because remember... Prayer is one of the, if not the, centerpiece of our relationship with God. So, of course, there's a lot of work for us to do on our own in the still, quiet places of our life, away from the world. Jesus says, don't heap up empty words. Don't go on and on and on when you pray, because God already knows what's on your heart. He already knows what's going to come out of your lips Instead, Jesus says, pray like this. Pray like this, Jesus says. And you know this prayer. It's a little bit different in the scriptures, but you know it. Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered, is holy. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is Jesus' lesson on prayer. This is his master class for us on prayer. Pray like this, Jesus says. This is how you should be praying. And I think we can and should take this on two different levels. The first is this. I think Jesus is saying, if you don't know where to start, if you don't have any words, if you don't know what to say, then simply pray these words. Literally pray this prayer. And part of the reason why I think we should do that is because I think this prayer gives us a unique look into Jesus' mind. Because it shows us, it, it reveals to us what Jesus believes about His Father. I think we've become so familiar with it that we miss it, but I believe that this is really profound for us to have access to. I mean, listen to it. Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered as holy. Jesus believes that his Father is accessible to us through prayer, that all we have to do is address God, to call out to him, to say his name, and he is listening to us, to our innermost thoughts. I mean, that would have been mind-blowing to the people that were listening to Jesus speak. And I think it should be mind-blowing for us too. I mean, think of all of the people in the world that you do not have access to. I mean, what would that percentage be? 99.999% of the people in this world we don't have access to and we will never have access to. But according to Jesus, all you have to do is utter the name of God and you have access to the creator of the universe. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus believes that his father is up to something here and now. Jesus doesn't believe that God is some foreign force far, far away, but that God is up to something right now in this world, in this present moment. That his father has a will for us. A will for the earth that he is working and moving and active in our lives in the present moment. That he cares about what happens right now. He's not far away from us. He's present with us. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus believes that his Father provides that he is giving daily bread. Now, I would prefer bread for weeks or bread for months, and that's not promised, but daily bread is. Jesus believes that he will get what he needs when he needs it, and so will we. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Jesus believes that his Father is someone who is always ready. And willing to forgive. Do not bring us into time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Jesus believes that his Father is leading him, leading him down the road of rescue, leading him to safety and triumph over the evil of this world. This prayer gives us an inside look into Jesus' mind where we can suddenly see what it is that Jesus believes about his heavenly Father. Later in this same chapter of Scripture, later in Jesus' sermon in verse 34, Jesus says these words, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. And if I'm being honest with you, Whenever I read that, usually what I think is that, man, Jesus, it must be nice to just decide that you're not going to worry about tomorrow anymore. But y'all, if Jesus really believed all of this about his heavenly father, suddenly I can begin to see how maybe Jesus didn't spend his time worrying about tomorrow. And I can't help but think that if That if we actually pray this prayer, if we really pray this prayer and we begin to believe these things with Jesus, that the God of the universe is accessible to us, that he is up to something in your life, that he can be trusted to provide, that he's always going to be quick to forgive, that he is leading you and guiding you. If we really believe those things, I think we too have a shot at not worrying about tomorrow. A shot at being more present in the moment. A shot at being just a little bit more resilient. And I think if we believe those things with Jesus, then we can be free from lying in bed at night, staring at the ceiling, worrying about what tomorrow has to bring. So if you don't know where to start, if you don't have the words, just pray this prayer. I think that's part of what Jesus is trying to teach us here. But Jesus isn't just teaching us a specific prayer. I think Jesus is also teaching us a format, a, a, a form that we can use for all of our prayers. I think here Jesus is also teaching us not just what to pray, but how to pray. And y'all, it is so simple. And it is so practical, and I believe that it is so effective for us if we will use this format. And the form is this, and I would love for you to write it down because I'm going to challenge you to use it this week and see what God does with it. I'm going to list it out for you first, and then we can go back through it together. The form is this. First we look up, then we look down, then we look back, and then we look forward. We start every prayer by looking up and addressing God, just like you're having a conversation with a friend. It can just be God or it can be more flowery language like holy and living God or God of love or God of might. But we start by looking up and calling God by one of the many names that he goes by. Because remember, Jesus believes that if we address God, we have access to God. So we start every prayer by calling God by one of the names that we know he answers to. We look up first. And then we look down. We invite God into the present moment with us. Whatever it is that you are praying about, invite God to be a part of it with you. Pray that God would give you the awareness to how he is working and moving in that situation here and now that God would open your eyes to how he is providing for you in this very moment, how he is giving you daily bread. And then we look back. We ask for forgiveness for our past sins, for the places that we have fallen short, and that by being forgiven, we might forgive those who have hurt us. Because when we are in that moment of prayer, we are confident of God's forgiveness. Of us, and we are convicted to be forgiving of others. And then we look forward. We simply ask God to guide us, to guide us through whatever it is that we're taking before Him, to lead us not in temptation, for God to be the light to the path before our feet, for God to go before us, for God to take us by the hand. And that we might have the courage to trust wherever it is that he is leading us. I mean, do you all see how that works? It's not just the words of the prayer that Jesus is teaching us, but it is also the way that he prays. Jesus is teaching us a pattern for prayer. He's teaching us how to do prayer well. When you pray, pray like this. Look up and address God. Look down and invite God into the moment with you. Look back and ask for forgiveness so that you might be a person of grace. And look forward, trusting that God is leading you somewhere, guiding you through this journey of life. Friends, if you don't know how to pray, If you've always struggled with your prayer life, then this is it. I mean, this this is how Jesus cracks the code for us here in Matthew. The answer is right here. This is how we pray. And I think if we want to be a resilient church, if, if we believe that God is calling us to be a resilient church, I just don't think that's going to happen if we aren't a church. And if we aren't a people who pray. And I can't help but think that there's not a better way out there to pray than the way that Jesus teaches us to pray. The truth, I think, is that, is that when we pray this way, it will over and over again reorient us to the love of God and to the love of people. Which is what Jesus says, everything else boils down to. It will reformat our hearts and our minds. It will change us. It'll center us. I think it'll give us the ability to trust God in the toughest of situations because we, like Jesus, believe and know that God is accessible, that God is up to something right now, something for good that God is providing, that God is forgiving, and that God is leading us. My challenge for you this week is simple. It's it's to pray like this. It's to do what Jesus tells us to do in the scripture. When you pray, pray like this. Look up, look down, look back, look forward. Just do it for a week. It's going to feel clunky at first because everything new feels clunky at first. But just stick with it for a week and just see what God does with that posture of prayer. Because my hunch is that if you do, you might be reoriented to the love of God and the love of people. That you might be changed That your relationship with God might grow a little bit deeper because you too begin to believe what Jesus believes about his heavenly Father. That we might be better equipped to trust God no matter what. My hunch, if we really do pray this way, is that we might become just a little bit more resilient. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Holy God, we look up to you trusting that you hear us and that you are with us in this moment. And we invite you into this place, Lord, into the midst of our lives, trusting your providence, God, believing that you are a God who gives us daily bread each and every day, sustaining us and nourishing us so that we might be your hands and your feet. Lord, I pray that you would give us repentant hearts, willing to look back with honesty, Lord, upon the many ways that we fall short of your calling and that we might trust in your forgiveness and that by being forgiven, you might equip us, Lord, to be a people of grace, to shine your light, to be a people of forgiveness. I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to look forward, Heavenly Father, trusting that you are calling us somewhere, leading us as individuals, Lord, through this journey of life, but also us as a church, God, that you have a mission and a purpose for us here in this community. Give us eyes to see it and ears to hear it. And then the boldness, Lord, to follow where you are leading. We sure do love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.